listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Well, hello there, Rockstar SLPs. Today we're talking about making our speech schedule. <laughs> It's such a fun topic, right? We all love making our speech schedule. Um, I don't think so. I don't think any SLP really loves making a speech schedule. It could be one of the biggest mentally taxing things you have to do when you're in the school setting. And um, sometimes, you know, part of me was like, do I have any advice on how to make your speech schedule? Um, Because one year it could be super easy. And then the next year, it has so many roadblocks that you're crying in your car because you can't get it done. And it's taking too much brain energy to even think about where to put kids. Um, and so, yeah, if you're if you're new to making your speech schedule, this podcast episode is definitely for you. If you are if you've done your speech schedule before, but you're constantly looking for ways to streamline it. I do have some tips for you today as well. But um yeah, if you if you feel like you're running in a circle and a hamster wheel going like, I don't know how to do it better. I think we've all been there because, um, yeah, it can just be tricky. And every year you just try to get better at it. And so that has been my biggest mindset shift when I was working full time in the schools is just embracing that this speech therapy schedule thing is just a a year-long working document that will be revised, you know, sometimes daily, usually every other week. And it's, it is what it is. You know, you, you, you strive for trying to have a rhythm and flow with it, (laughs) but you try to be prepared to just take the random um, changes that you have to make in stride and just not let it beat you down. Um, And so what I started doing when I began using Google Docs more and Google Forms was I would make my speech schedule with paper and pencil, a lot of chicken scratch. And once I had a decent rough draft, I would transfer all of that information to a Google Talk. Um, I would have my master copy for both of my sites, but then I would have one page for each site. So I would have Tuesday, Thursday, site one, Monday, Wednesday, site two, and I would include my flex day on each of those so that I could block out what I was doing during that time. So, and then what's cool about Google, Google docs is that you can have a master schedule, but then quickly duplicate it and have a new document. That's exactly the same and you can label it with the new weekly date. And that's what I would do. And so then I would, at the start of the week, I would go in and change anything that needed to get changed. And then I would type in what I was doing throughout the week. So if I had IEPs before or after school that got put on the schedule, if I had my dedicated flex day, I would say, I'm testing this student. I'm Um, observing this student in the classroom and I'm writing this IEP on the times when, you know, when you have those little chunks of time for 10 minutes because there's a recess, I, you know, I might put in bathroom break or I'll put in when I'm going to have my lunch because I really tried to at least eat my lunch 
and not work or allow me the opportunity if I wanted to do that. And then, you know, if there were little chunks of time, I'm like, oh, I got to get this IEP done by Thursday. So every chunk of time had the IEP, right? IEP goals, write this, write that. I was, I wrote out what I was going to do so that when, once I got it all digitally put in, I preferred to print it out because the reality is in the school setting, you are walking around campus a lot. You're going from classroom to classroom. Um, you may be pulling kids and then going in and to classrooms to co-teach or whatever the thing is. And so I liked having my schedule printed out so I could access it wherever I was and make notes on it, cross off when I saw kids um, or if they were absent. I like to have all that there in my hand and I would use that for the week. And and then if I needed to make a new like a, a scheduling change, I could quickly just get in there, make it and then move on instead of wallowing in my in my sadness like oh no my schedule's all messed up so that's what i started doing and it was really helpful it helped me stay productive and focused and so you know using google docs i will link to the google doc template that i was just talking about if you want to make your own copy and use it i will put that in the show notes some other tools that you might want to check out i know slp scheduler i've never used the tool but it does help you make your speech schedule um, so I'm going to link that and you can check it out. My friend, Maureen Wilson created Swivel Scheduler, which is a web-based app that allows you to take data digitally on your speech schedule. So once you get your schedule all set up, you can then put in your kids and by their time. So if they come in to see you from eight to eight 30, you can put in the three kids that you're going to see, and then you're going to type in their goals. And you can take data right in the app when you're seeing those three kids. You have the 8.30 on your schedule and you can take data on all of them very easily at one time. And then from jogging, I, I haven't been in the app in a while because I haven't been working in the school setting at this moment. But you can change who's in your group easily if you have to make changes. So that's really nice. You can print it out. Um, you can also print out a graph of your students' goals and how they were doing with the data. And then what's cool is if you have a kid who has two to four goals from their IEP, it will swivel the goals so that each week you will be able to see what new goal you haven't hit yet. And you need to make sure you're doing that. So I will link Swivel Scheduler and SLP Scheduler for you as well in the show notes to help you with your schedule. So here's here are my... I don't know. If, I don't want to say like I've got this streamlined for you, but I definitely have some things that I did um, to help make the process a little bit more seamless, I'd say. But it, you know, first you have to embrace that it's going to be a process. There are going to be times where you're waiting for people um, or you're hitting roadblocks. And it's okay in those first, in that first week to also, you know, schedule focus time working on it and then to step away and maybe go to a, go on a quick walk to the photocopier or doing something else like putting up a speech bulletin board or going and observing you know talking to some teachers or whatever it is you need to do to break it up because it it is good to give yourself a mental break while you're doing it 
Um, and then what I first do is I go to the secretary and I get the master schedule for recesses. I go to the teachers and ask for their schedules. And I definitely touch base with the RSP and the RTI specialist. I want to know when the kids are supposed to have PE. So I get everything that I can. And then I really do try to talk with RSP to see like, because they're in the same boat as us. Um, they're trying to schedule... You know, a lot of times in schools, you can't take kids during PE and the core instruction. So it leaves these little fun, small windows, right? Um, and if your school has not set, if they've set up like block time where like, this is when you can take kids, it does make it easier to schedule because at least you can schedule all the first graders at nine o'clock and all the second graders at you know, 940 or 930 or whatever, whatever the time is. If they don't have that, it can be a little bit harder. So that's what I first do is I get all the schedules. You can either, I in the old days, I used to put a little thing in each of the teacher's box. Like these are the kids that you have speech. Please give me your first, second and third choices. And you may even want to put a little disclaimer saying, Hey, I see 60 kids full time. And I cannot see, I can't squeeze 60 kids into an eight o'clock and two o'clock spot. So if you can give me, um, you know, a few different times that I could take them throughout the day, that would really, really help me. And maybe even like say circle your, your first choice or tell me your first choice. And, but I can't guarantee that, you know, I, but I, some, some SLPs just don't even ask the teachers and they just make their schedule and as much as I, I think like, yes, you can't please everybody, um, for sure. I personally find like making that personal touch to say, Hey, this is, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to accommodate everyone. Um, you know, here's what's going on. And a lot of times if I do have to say, Hey, I can't find time for your kids. Um, with the times that you're giving me, I will personally go to them and I will show them my schedule and say, this is what I have right now. I have all these kids on my schedule. Would any of these times work? And then they can see that it's not just, you're not just trying to deny them their 8, 20 time that they want. You're trying to show them like, look, I have a lot of kids, you know, like I, my hands are tied. I wish I could just give you what you want. Um, and so it, taking that extra time will help with building rapport. It takes more time, but I think it's worth it. So I have heard of other SLPs having scheduling parties in the lunchroom where they will bring in some donuts or something, in, you know, some sort of treat and have all the teachers come talk to them and build out their schedule during their lunch breaks. So this can be really productive because it's like a working lunch collaboration and they can get their kids scheduled. You've touched base with them. You're not constantly going back and forth going, hey, I messed it up again. And you can get it done. I've never personally done that, but I do think that it's a really cool idea. Um, but before you even would do something like that, what you really want to make sure is that you have blocked off your time that you need to do. Like you need to block off your lunch um, sometimes I don't always block off my lunch because every year that might change. Like if I need to see some fourth graders during the kindergarten lunchtime, I might be taking lunch with the fourth and fifth graders that year. So I do note down all the lunch times 
Um, and I have that flexibly set up. But I do like at my districts that I was in, we always had a flex day. We always had one day a week where that is sacred, dedicated assessments, IEPs, collaboration, programming AAC devices, visual supports, making, you know, whatever it is I need to do, um, that is for that day. And I do not put kids on there unless I am progress monitoring them or assessing or doing something that's helping me with all the other tasks that I have to do um, for my caseload. So that gets blocked off and any anything where like if there's a collaboration time, anything that needs to be dedicated gets blocked off. A lot of times when I'm co-teaching and that's when you go into the classroom, you're doing push in and you're working, you're running lessons with the teacher, or let's say I'm looking at my caseload and I'm like, you know what, this, these couple of students, I really want to start doing a coaching model. I will make an effort to talk with the teachers, set up the roles and expectations for these collaborations. And I will find the best times to do this with the teachers to make, and I will block that time off. Like that's never, I'm going to never change those groups. If I can, those are not, those are sacred times because the more you change those types of interventions, um, it can impact their trust with you because they're like, Oh, this person's constantly canceling or constantly changing. I don't really want to do this with them. So I try to get that set up as best I can. And of course, sometimes things happen and you may have to say, Hey, I really love doing our pushing together. Is there any way we can maybe do it on Thursdays instead of Tuesdays? Because I have these three kids and I don't know where to put them. So occasionally that kind of stuff happens, right? But we're going to try not to do that. Um, and then I do check in with my self-contained classrooms because I find that they there is a little bit more wiggle room. Um, there may be a few more opportunities to take kids. So I really try to schedule the gen ed kids because they, they get, it's very like you can't teach during the core times. So I try to have some backup times. A lot of times when I'm co-teaching, I'm co-teaching in the self-contained classroom. So it usually works itself out, but I, I will go to the T. I personally found it was better to make personal connections with the teachers as much as I can. Um, and that's why I love that whole scheduling party idea. So, yeah, so you got your, you got your sacred time blocked off. You kind of know when you might do your schedule. And then you want to look at your speech therapy caseload and you could use post-it notes if you wanted to. But a lot of times what I would do is I would just go by each teacher and grade and I would put down who has speech services and you could even color code, you know, this is a speech sound kid, a fluency, um, language, social pragmatics. So you could color code that and get an idea for like, okay, I've got six to eight kids in the kindergarten first grade, right? And I've got this many kids in this grade because then you can see who you can group together Um it's, it is better if you can keep the classroom kids to, that are in the same class together at the same time. Cause it's one less thing for the teacher to remember, like he's got to come at 12 and he's got to get, you know, the, the little girl's got to come at 10. That's a lot for the teachers to remember. So if I can keep them with their same teacher and the same age, um, great. But we know that that doesn't always work out. So I try to do some of that finagling, um, or I like to look and go, you know what? 
this would be perfect because they're all speech sound goals. And I'm going to see these two kids together because they're language goals. So you want to look at your, your goals, or you can go, you know what, these language goals can be easily intertwined with this speech sound goal. So we'll put these guys together. So I either go, I do find that doing classroom and age tends to work the best. But if you can have a little bit of wiggle room, doing it by treatment area also works as well. So I think, I think that's it. I think that's it for, for my uh, tips. I have heard of some other cool ways to do um, services when you're just like, okay, how am I going to fit all these kids in? Um, Mia McDaniels has shared when she guest spoke in the Themester group about how she used to do this big, giant articulation carryover group. So all the kids that were had one sound error, they would all come at this one time from 8 to 8.30, and she had a, a larger group. And this was for the kids that needed to practice carryover and conversation. And so she would have a bigger group than just keeping it two or three students. So consider those options as well. Could you do a lunch bunch? Could you could you have kids come at lunch to do a lunch bunch time because their goals are social pragmatics? Or could you do some um, coaching or intervention out on the playground um, with at lunch times? You know, can you do some quick artic in the hallway from eight? to 845, you're going to hit a lot of kids on one hallway, you know, and try to knock those out. So look, look for ways that you could do something a little bit differently. And if you're look thinking about serving kids in an intentional way, that's going to help them with generalization, consider co-teaching. I'm all about collaborative services and it can work really well for um, your gen ed kids. It can work. There's a little bit more roadblocks but it can work really well for your self-contained classrooms because you can intentionally be in the classroom for 30 to 60 minutes and potentially see 10 students and also model and coach the staff so that they can use these strategies all day, every day when you're not there. So if you have any questions about collaborative services and doing that model, definitely DM me on social media at the Dabbling Speechy. Um, or you can email me Felice Clark at the Dabbling Speechy, and I can direct you to some podcast episodes and blog posts. Because yeah, if imagine if you saw some kids for thirty to sixty minutes, um, you and you could see ten kids. That would free up some time in your schedule to do things that you also need to do, like help make visual supports, program AAC devices. Maybe it'll free you up for another half hour to go do some coaching with that same teacher at lunchtime or at a different time and give you some, some freedom to support your students in a different way that could actually have some really big gains. Um, so just consider all those things. I, I did find, I'm going to have to go dig around because I did have some, I did find some research about dose and frequency. So like how, you know, how often you see a student for services. And this, this comes into question, do you need to see a kid twice a week, 30 minutes to make the big gains with their goals? 
Um, so start looking at, you know, find, I had some research. I'm going to go find those research articles. Maybe I'll do a whole episode on that, but consider those things. Do I really need to see that kid twice a week? Is that the least restrictive environment for them? Does the data show that doing once a week um, is, is going to get them the progress they need and keep them in the classroom more? And you can bring that up with some of your parents and in the IEP team, and it can be a discussion. And I know, and we can bring up those points like, hey, I'm not trying to just say, let's take this kid once a week, but I'm telling you from the data that I have, that servicing student, this the student is making really good gains, and I would like them to be in the classroom more and not missing curriculum and education. So you can, if you can get more kids, that it would fit well for them to be once a week. That also opens up opportunities for other kids to get on your speech therapy schedule. So, anyways, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. I feel like I'm going to go on a rabbit trail here, but anyways. Just to recap, consider using a speech therapy scheduler tool like SLP Scheduler or doing Swivel Scheduler or putting your schedule on a Google Doc so that you can make changes really quickly um, and then figure out what's going to help you with making your schedule. Get all those um you know, touch base with the teachers, figure out your system for how you're going to communicate with teachers. A lot of times after I had the speech therapy schedule done, I would email it to those teachers to get their feedback and be like, here's when speech is happening. Um, so come up with your system, tweak it as you need. A lot of times what I would also do is I would take notes on a Google doc about what I did for my system so that the next year, I could reference it when my brain was still fuzzy about how to make a speech therapy schedule from scratch. So I hope that this is helpful. As always, SLPs, be the SLP that every kid wants to see. And I will talk with you soon.